0: Amen, amen. Take your copy of God's Word, if you will, this morning. Find the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 8. In just a few moments, we're going to pick up in verse 42, toward the end of that verse. We're going to look at God's Word together. And I pray that through our worship this morning, you've been enlivened. I I hope that you have been awakened somewhat. Early on in the service, I could see some of you kind of... I could even see those of you in the gathering. You think I couldn't, but I could see you. You're a little bit sleepy, maybe, but this is not the hour to get your sleep back, okay? You're going to get a nap this afternoon, hopefully, and you'll be okay then. But I want, you to, I want you to focus with me this morning, and maybe one of the ways you can focus is by being verbal. Now, I remind people often that this is not a dialogue, so I don't need you necessarily talking back to me during the service. David, darling, you hear me? Don't talk back to me. Unless you use one word. It is the word, yes, there you go. It is the word, amen. Say it with me. Amen. That's the first time some of you have said it in about 25 years. But if you'll use that word every now and then, sprinkle it, pepper it into the message at appropriate times, then it will help you stay awake And it will probably even light my fire, okay? And we'll be able to look at God's Word, and hopefully God will challenge us today. So again, Luke chapter 8, we're going to begin in verse 42, toward the end. God is, through Jesus, is teaching us so much here. And as a disciple of the Lord Jesus, I need to know much. As I go out into the community and minister, as I see people and the different aspects of their lives, I need instruction. How about you? Amen. See, some of you got it. Three of you. But we need instruction. We need to know what we're doing. We need God to equip us. We need Him to empower us. Even later on, as Luke will record the mission of the church in the book of Acts, he will will tell us that Jesus had instructed His disciples to stay together until the Holy Spirit came upon them and empowered them to do the work. You can't do the work unless you have the instruction of Jesus and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in your life. And Luke is encouraging. He's showing. He's reminding us through what I call this field trip that Jesus takes his disciples on. He reminds us of the lessons and he reminds us of the power that we so desperately need even as we minister to other people. And here's what Luke says. Let's pick up in verse 42 now. I should set the context though for you because we pick up in the middle of a narrative Jesus of course had taken his disciples across the sea of Galilee He had taken them across and they had experienced a storm And of course in that storm they had realized that Jesus had the power over all disaster now take that for a moment You and I, as we go out to minister to other people, it's important to know that Jesus has power over any type of disaster, but especially the natural forces of this world. As our mission team just got back from the Bahamas last Sunday, it was important for them to know that Jesus had given them power to minister to people who had been affected by disaster. Those Who have gone through tragedy in Nashville as Mike prayed for them a moment ago during our offertory here Those in Nashville those of our brothers and sisters in Christ in those churches that are ministering Don't you know how important it is for them to know that there is a God who is over every disaster and over every storm? So Jesus had shown them that he had taken them across the lake and then when he got over there he faced the demoniac and of course There again, Jesus' power was evidenced because Jesus is over every demonic spirit that comes against us. And my brothers and sisters, if you didn't feel the spiritual warfare this week in your life, it's probably because you are not, you just simply didn't stop and recognize it because spiritual warfare goes around all around us weekly, daily. But how do we minister to people that we know are facing those spiritual moments, those spiritual warfare moments? We do it by knowing that Jesus has the power over those things. When Jesus had come back, he was over at, around the Gentile region of Decapolis. And the people had said, Jesus, we just can't take it. We just don't know about your power. We're, we're, we're too scared. A lot of those people. And Jesus went back to Capernaum. And in verse 40, it says that when Jesus got back, there was this great multitude of people. This like great crowd of folks. They were waiting for Jesus. They thought Jesus would return here and they just stayed until Jesus got there because they had had known his power and they had known his healing opportunities and they wanted to see him. Well, as soon as he gets to that side of of the sea there around Capernaum, the Bible says that this guy comes up to him. It's a guy named Jairus or some might would say Jairus. He was the ruler of the synagogue and his daughter his 12 year old daughter was dying and he came and he begged Jesus to come to his house we're actually going to talk more about that next Sunday but as Jesus was preparing to go down to the house as he even started to go to the house of Jairus we're interrupted by another story now 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 see that this this is kind of like the double blessing okay When I read this narrative, I'm like, this is double blessing right here on the double power of Jesus. It kind of, it's kind of like getting like, like two cookies of a lemon icebox pie. You know, you know, the way you measure it by cookies, you get a two cookie slice here. Jesus is giving you like two stories. He's giving you two, two opportunities to see his power because as he's going down to Jairus's house, verse 42 it says the multitudes in my translation it says they thronged him they pressed upon him there were there were people everywhere I mean I can't imagine I mean, I, I don't like crowds now I'll tell you I like being around people but I don't like crowds I like having folks around but I'm gonna be honest I like to go to Disney when it's not well it's always crowded never mind there are, Crowds everywhere. And here they're pressing in on Jesus. They want to hear him. They want to see him. He, he's walking down with a mission to help Jairus and Jairus' daughter. But it says that as he's walking and this crowd is all around him, verse 43 of chapter 8, it says, Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years who'd spent all her livelihood on physicians. And could not be healed by any, came from behind and touched the border of his garment. And immediately, did you catch that? And immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? And when all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you. And you say, who touched me? But Jesus said, somebody touched me. For I perceive power going out from me. Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling. And falling down before him, she declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him. And how she she was healed immediately. And he said to her, Daughter, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. So here's Jesus, like he's going down. And, and you would think Jairus' house, that's going to be stop number three. Like we're on the field trip. Jesus is trying to teach us. He's trying to show us what his power is like. So we're on, the, we're on the way. And Jairus' house, stop number three on the itinerary. Whoa, but we got another stop. Actually, we got to back up because now we get a, we get a moment to minister to this lady who was hurting who was helpless and who was hopeless. I, I love that Jesus will just stop and take his time with us, by the way. Aren't you? Like Jesus can be walking down, and you, you know Jesus got his plans and his purposes, and you know, and he knows all things, but in the process of fulfilling all of his plans and processes, he has enough time to stop and look at you and look at me and look at our families. He has enough time to show compassion and love. See, sometimes we get to be those people like, let's just get it done, right? I'm kind of one of those, like, let's go, let's get it done, let's get it. But it wasn't just about Jairus' house. Oh, he's going to minister to them. But he has a moment here to stop and to make a difference in a woman's life. And in the process, to show his power to these disciples. So again, they will be equipped... To be able to minister to others. This is a healing story. And it shows us that Jesus has the power to bring healing to the hurting. It's another healing narrative. And when you look through the New Testament, there are so many, so many moments like this. I mean, when you read through the New Testament, do you not see like people being healed and like Jesus, not just Jesus, but the disciples? You read through that and you're thinking, Wow, look how you see the work of God in that scripture. And I say, okay, Luke, you could have told us one healing story. And we even looked at a healing story a few weeks ago, uh, the healing of the paralytic. Remember that? Great sermon. (laughs) Amen. See, there you go. That's an appropriate time. We talked about the paralytic and the healing, and we'd already talked about that, and and there are other places, and and when I got to this, it was kind of like, all right, I've already talked about healing, Lord, I've done that a few weeks ago, I don't know, maybe I'll just skip over this, but then I realized, no, the reason we see so much power that God has to heal people is because there are so many hurting people, not just in the New Testament, but there are so many hurting people all around us every day. And we need to be constantly reminded that our God has the power to bring healing to people's lives. It amazes me how in this fallen world, a sin-ridden world, that we see such hurt and pain. Even in the last few days of my life, last two or three days I've seen people who have been struck with mental mental illness physical issues hospitalized um, struggling just in the last few days sometimes they say when it rains it pours right I looked at Leslie yesterday and I said it just seems to be pouring lately with people who are going through such difficult times and I came and I read this passage again last night I had studied before because a Saturday night special is not too special sometimes but I read through it again last night to prepare myself and I thought after seeing this week and being reminded, and how Jesus faced this all the time, right? Jesus was constantly coming in contact. All this crowd that was around him, how many of them were hurting? All the people he had seen every day, he saw hurting people, people that were broken physically, people who were broken mentally, people who were sick. And I believe that these These narratives, these stories that were recorded to us by the will of the Holy Spirit, that they are there for us to remind us that when we go into people's lives and when they are suffering physically or mentally or emotionally or whatever else, that we have the power through Jesus to be able to minister to them. I couldn't do it on my own. I don't know about you. But you have to have the power of Jesus. It says here that there was this woman, this woman who had exhausted all of her resources. She had had a hemorrhage for 12 years, 12 years. Now, some of you have dealt with sickness for quite a while, a long time, and you know, it can wear on you and you know, you can you can suffer the difficulties physically, and you can suffer it emotionally, and you can suffer it mentally. You can suffer it in so many different ways. But this woman had been to all the different doctors; she had had all kinds of procedures, but nothing seemed to have helped. I think this is very, um, I, I think this is significant, very significant, because remember what Luke is. Luke is a physician. Luke is a doctor. And and I've got to believe, some of you who are in the medical field, that it would be very intriguing for you to see how Jesus had come and faced all these different sicknesses and diseases and all kinds of things and how he was able to show his authority over that. I think that you would probably be intrigued by that. I think Luke was. And here's Luke, and he's not trying to down his profession He just recognizes that there's nothing that they could do. Only Jesus had brought healing when this woman touched him. It says the woman touched the border of his garment, uh, the edge of his garment. Some would say the tassels that were there on his garment, that the woman reached out and that she touched his garment. And Jesus later, as you read this, says, I know that power went out from me power went out for me i love the new testament word power it is the word dunamis it's like acts chapter 1 verse 8 when you're going to receive power dunamis that's the greek word think about it though in the english we have a word that's very similar dynamite the dunamis the dynamite and i know you got to be careful reading back into the text but i just say it was like a dynamic force that went out from jesus And when it went out from Jesus, that power, it brought healing to her life. You see how Luke describes it. Luke says, immediately, just like that, God brought healing. The the verbiage that's used, how the flow of blood was stopped, that verbiage means that it was stopped decisively at that moment. Nothing else continued. God, through Jesus, had shown this power. He had shown his authority over her disease, over her sickness. Jesus had the power to heal. And I know this is repetitive for all of you going to bees and have to bees. Oh, so you say, who are those? Well, you should have been here on Wednesday nights uh, when I talked about the going-to-be here's and the have-to-be here's. So you going to bees and have to bees, y'all were for sure here about three or four weeks ago. I don't know about you want-to-be's or rather bees. But the going to bes y'all heard the message. The other ones are just like, man, this is something I've never heard anything like this. But a few weeks ago, I, I said Jesus has the power to heal. I come back to the pulpit today. I know it's repetitive. We need to hear it. Jesus has the power to heal. He has the power to bring healing in people's lives, and He can do it under His sovereignty. He can do it any way He wants. I see many of you who are in the medical field who are here. And I believe that he can use you as a doctor or nurse. I believe that he can empower you to make a difference in somebody's life. When you go see your doctor, I hope I hope that that doctor, is, I hope that doctor is being informed, that his or her discernment is through the Holy Spirit. I want God to be informing them because God is the one that can use them God can use medicine did you know that God can use medicine absolutely I thought there was one pharmacist here that would say amen this morning maybe he is in the gathering or she is somewhere God can use medicine God can use whatever he wants Look, look when Jesus brought healing to people. Sometimes he would take mud and he would rub it in. He, he could use anything he wanted. He could just speak. He could touch them. However method he wanted, he could bring healing. Because Jesus has the power to bring healing to people's lives. I also know that you can pray like that. You can offer prayer and that God still hears. He still hears the prayers of his people and he still will respond. Amen? He still will respond. Our Lord is the one who has power over every sickness. He is sovereign. Now, I do believe this. It has to be according to His will. It has to be according to His will as He brings healing. I I point this out to you. That even the Apostle Paul could not like heal just like that. So he you say, whoa, 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 Reggie, wait just a minute, wait just a minute. Paul did heal. You are absolutely right. He, uh, he, he healed the crippled man in Lystra, for example, in the book of Acts. He did. He also brought healing to Eutychus. You remember Eutychus? Any of you remember Eutychus? He, he, was, uh, he was sitting in a window one night. He was hearing this great preacher preach. A great preacher named Paul. Paul was preaching up a storm. And he said he went a little long. That's what the Bible says. He does. It says he went about 55 minutes. Went a little long. A little long. And as he went a little long, Eutychus went to sleep. Because it had been daylight savings time. (laughs) We got to do away with this stuff. Amen. Come on. That was an appropriate place. But he went to sleep and he fell out of the window. He died. And here, the Lord, through Paul's work, Paul came to him and he restored life. Awesome. The power of God. But did you know this? Paul cannot heal his own thorn in the flesh. He asked God to take it away three times, but he couldn't heal it. Paul could not heal Timothy's ailing stomach. Instead, he told him to take a little beverage for his stomach. Paphroditus' sickness. Paul couldn't heal that. Trophimus, left ill at Miletus by Paul because he didn't heal that. Why? Because it was not I understand, in the sovereignty, in the sovereign will of God. But don't miss it. God's still powerful. He could heal any time he wanted to. May I mention this because I think it's very timely. Our Lord Jesus is over every disease, over every sickness. He is over anything that would bring fear or would in some way instill fear. pain within us our Jesus is over the coronavirus and I think we do need to take things seriously and we need to be careful about those things but at the same time at the same time we need to know that Jesus is over everything that would bring fear to us you and I should not react with panic and fear because of what's going on in the world today. Did you hear me? We should be careful. We should be wise. We should be discerning. I'm not telling you not to listen, and but I'm saying to you that you and I should react differently. When the world runs away, we ought to be people who will stand in faith of the Lord Jesus and know that our God has power over everything. And God has called us to minister. I was reading from CBN. Eddie, i had seen an article this week of where the Christian church in Wuhan, there in China, how they were actually out in the streets ministering to people during this time. And in one particular case, there was a woman who came to Christ. I believe they even uh, videoed her funeral and sent it out because she had met Christ Before she stepped into eternity. Charles Haddon Spurgeon. You've heard of him. Used to preach about 55 minute sermons as well. Charles Haddon Spurgeon. It said that when cholera started to spread among the people in London. He would go and he would make house visits. Administering to the people. Again, wise, careful, but I say to you that you and I, we have a place right now. We need to speak up. We need to tell people that our God has power and authority over every disease. We need to speak up and we need to tell them that there's something more than this life. There is an eternity that's out there. And they need to hear that one way or the other for a child of God, there is healing. Whether it occurs on this planet or it occurs when He calls us to be into His presence, there is a healing, there is life eternal that nobody or nothing can take away from us. This is a time for us to step up and tell them about the woman who needed help. She was a hurting woman. Jesus brought healing. What I see is Jesus brings healing to the hurting. I also see how Jesus brings help to the helpless. To be helpless. Sometimes it seems like there's not much you can do. Especially when you're diagnosed with certain diseases, certain things in your life. It's just like there's nothing you can do. And there's not a whole lot sometimes that the medical professions can do for you. It says that she had exhausted all of her resources financially. That she had gone to different ones begging for help and yet she could not find help. Her provision failed her. Her her materials, her status, all that failed. There's nothing she could do. There's nothing she could do. And look. How many times would you be willing to give up all your finances and everything else if you could just find some cure to this disease or some treatment that would make life more bearable? How many times would you say, I'd give up everything? I'd give the finances in my family's life, in my child's life, so they didn't have to face this. I'd give it all up. But your money can't buy health. Your status, your social standing can't buy health. Because you are not the Lord of your health, Jesus is the Lord of your health. Jesus is the only one that can help the helpless. You know how many times I've stood by a hospital bed and said, God, if I could only do more. How many times somebody's walked in my office with issues that are going on and said, God, if I could only do more. There's some of you who are in the medical profession. You know that there have been people in your office, and you've looked at them, and you've said, I wish I could do something else for these people. I wished I could come up. You know, I say that Jesus is the only one that can bring help to the helpless. And not only was she helpless in what she could do, she was helpless in being isolated from the community. According to Leviticus, according to the Mosaic law, this woman was not supposed to be out in the crowd. She had taken a risk. To even be out. If somebody had found out she was a social outcast. She was supposed to be removed from society. She was not supposed to be anywhere around because she was ritually impure. She was unclean as the Levitical law would have stated. She wasn't supposed to be there. And maybe she even thought that Jesus would be mad when he found out what had happened. But I love the way Jesus seeks out and accepts the marginalized, the helpless. I don't know if you've picked up on this in the New Testament, but especially the Gospel of Luke. Gospel of Luke, there's several different themes I remember from my New Testament survey class. And one of the themes of the New Testament, or I should say one of the themes of the Gospel of Luke, is how Luke will emphasize Jesus' ministry to the marginalized to the social outcast, to the people that were not necessarily being reached by the legal scholars and legal experts of the Jews. Think of, just a moment, some of the people in the Gospel of Luke that Jesus reached out to. The lepers, the prostitutes, the Samaritans. Luke 15, remember we'll talk about, or actually Luke 15 is the seeking of that which is lost, the sinners. But he records for us uh, the good Samaritan uh, in Luke chapter 10. The Samaritans, the demoniacs, the tax collectors. Sometimes they just call them the sinners. See how all those, how Luke emphasizes? Because Jesus had come to help the helpless. And sometimes when I look around and I see the helpless and I feel helpless because I am helpless without Jesus. I can go back to the story and remember, oh yeah, I may be helpless, but I know a God who is the helper himself that can speak into their lives. See, this is the power I got to have to minister. It's it's the power you got to have to walk out and face things. It's the power that you got to have. That he will bring healing to the hurting and that he will bring help to the helpless. And that he would bring hope to the hopeless. I think one of the saddest states of humanity is the state of no hope. When people have no hope. I used to think uh, there in North Mississippi when I had my first pastorate, I was at Canaan Baptist Church. Canaan, the promised land, right? That's what it was called. That's what it was supposed to be, Canaan Baptist Church. Now, you had to pump sunshine in. (laughs) My little grandmother went out with me one time. She looked at me, and she said, Reggie, she said, God must have been in this. I said, well, I hope he was, Granny, but why would you... Say that God was in this. and my coming as pastor here? She said, because you never would have found this place on your own. <laughs> I said, that's a fair point, Granny. You, you're right. Right down the road, right down the road, there was a church called Black Jack Methodist. And then right down the road from it, there was another little church, it was a Baptist church. It's called No Hope Baptist Church. And believe it or not, I've even seen a church before it was called Little Hope Baptist Church. I don't think I'd go to church there. I'd either change our name or I'd find me another church. Because I need to hear that there's hope. And I tell you, by the authority and the work of the Lord Jesus, there is hope always. You don't miss it. I know there are times you feel hopeless Look at this woman. She had been to everybody. She had spent all her money. She'd done everything Nobody was there. Nobody could do anything She had reached this point to all she could do was to reach out to this rabbi from Nazareth and pray and hope that what she had Heard and what she had seen would somehow be applied to her life And she reached out and the power the dynamic force of Jesus came into her There's always hope Hear me, there is always hope. Just when you think you're at the end and you cannot do it anymore, relationally, physically, whatever else, you don't believe Satan's lie to you, you know that there is hope because there is a God named Jesus that loves you, that has pursued you, that is there for you, and that is there to demonstrate power in your life. There's hope. And she had seen hope with her own eyes. His name was Jesus. She had seen hope embodied. And she reached out. She touched him. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, Hebrews 11 tells us. She had faith. And her hope was restored. I love the way Jesus says this. He looks at her and he says, Daughter. I think that might calm her a little bit because she was scared. She wasn't sure. Some, some people think this is a statement of all, and it could have been, but it seems like with her silence to begin with, and then for Luke to say that she was trembling, it seemed like she was scared of what he might say or what the crowd might say of her being there. She was just, she was a little fearful. And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, daughter. Just an intimate kind of title. Like, it's okay. It's all right. Daughter, cheer up. Be a good cheer. Have joy in your life because your faith has made you well. That word made you well, some translations might say you've been healed. Um, really there it means you've been saved. That's the word. You've been saved. You've been saved physically, obviously, but I think there was something deeper. Because there's always something deeper, as I said. All the physical things we see, it points toward the spiritual reality of sickness and pain and, and how we need Him not just physically, but we need Him spiritually. And that word is... Kind of that double meaning of, yeah, you've been healed physically, but you've been saved. You've been saved. And then he says, go in peace. I noted this about that preposition, in. I think it should be translated, go into peace. Not just go in peace, but go into peace. You've struggled. You've had such pain. Here it is. Go in to the reality of peace in your life. Isn't it awesome to know that Jesus does save and that he can touch us physically, but he also can touch us spiritually and he can bring us into a state of peace. The Bible says a peace that will surpass every type of understanding. Oh. Casey texts me, I think, uh, Friday. Our beach reachers are down in Panama City Beach. And uh, they're giving shuttle rides. and They're having gospel conversations. He said, give praise to the Lord, Casey said, because last night on our, uh, on our ride in the shuttle, a student from the University of Michigan accepted Christ as his Savior. He was able to go into peace. And I pray that you've experienced that peace. I pray that you know the authority in your life so that you can face each day and each challenge. I pray that you can minister to other people because you know the power of Jesus is on your side. I pray that you can know him, know his power, and know his peace as reality of your life i'm going to do something just a bit different this morning we're going to have the the invitation commitment those of you in the gathering you'll have that as well but i want to pray first of all for some of you all who are here and then we'll give an opportunity for you to come and if you need to talk to me or you need to talk to uh, those who are there in the in the gathering, Jason or Jacob or whatever else, if you need to talk to somebody, we're here afterwards and we can talk to you about your decision. But before we even sing, I wanna I wanna pray for you this morning. If you would allow me to do that. Let's bow our heads. And maybe today you or somebody you know in your family or your friends, they're hurting. They feel helpless, and they may be hopeless. They may not be hopeless yet, but they're hurting, and they're helpless. If you need just extra prayer, I'm going to let you stand this morning, and I want to pray over you. Even those of you in the gathering, if there's something going on, if you just want to stand. God, I come to you this morning, and Lord, I grieve with my brothers and sisters in the way of seeing the pain that comes to them through disease, through uh, mental anguish, through all the things that Satan seems to throw at them. And these who are standing this morning especially, I pray for their need. I believe that you have the power over disease. It's not something I've just preached, Lord. I believe that you have power over disease and sickness and anything else that comes, Lord. And I pray that in the lives of these who are standing this morning, that you would show that power and that authority. That you would give them hope. That you would help them look up to you. That they would trust you. And that, Lord, when they walk out of this place, they would walk into peace Because, Lord, a peace is already a reality of their lives through your Son, the Lord Jesus. God, I do pray for what's going on in our nation right now and this world. And I know right now a disease is threatening and it is bringing fear to so many. But, Lord, what I pray is that we would be wise, we would be cautious, but, Lord, we would be faithful. That is, we would be full of trust in you as you give us opportunities to minister. I do pray in the power of Jesus' name that you would protect us and that you would watch over us even from that disease. And God, may we be ever faithful in ministering on your behalf because we know we have your power. We pray these things now in Jesus' name and for his sake.